Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, I'm Chad. I'm a Gen X grown-up. I support Gen X grown-up through Patreon, and you can too at patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up Podcast listeners, to this, the Backtrack Edition of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. I am John. Joining me, as always, of course, is Mo. Hey, everybody. Would be a show without George. Hey, man. Hey, how's it going, guys? All the way back in 1981, we thrilled to the adventure of an intrepid archaeologist as he raced to beat a band of Nazis to a unique religious relic. Now, more than 40 years later, the tale of our favorite whip-wielding hero is coming to an end with the fifth and final, I guess final, maybe, film. Yeah. <laughs> in this backtrack, we look back at the landmark film that launched a franchise, Raiders of the Lost Damn Ark. Mm. <laughs> mm. I think you just went to hell for seeing Lost Damn Ark. Yeah. I may have. I may have, but it's just <laughs> that important. We talked about it at the end of the last episode when we teased this backtrack. Loved this film when I first saw it. Loved this film throughout my life. Just rewatched it the other day. Maybe love it more. I probably didn't watch it in its entirety for the last eh, 15 years or so. I've just been back to it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Being much older now, I appreciate more parts of this film differently. When I was a kid, I'm like, let's get back to the shooting and running and fighting and blowing stuff up <laughs> and now like there's character stuff going on you know and you know indiana okay, jones okay. or dr You're jones how will we control ourselves <laughs> i'm already talking about the show before we get into talking about raiders of the lost dark any more than i already have it is time for some fourth listener email of course there's the three of us if anybody else bothers to listen and write in that's our fourth listener and the fourth listener this episode is ben t you guys might remember ben uh this is the listener who likes to comment on YouTube videos about oh, our yeah, podcast. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, and he knows he likes to do that. So what he's provided is a headline and everything as if it were an email. So we're good to go. So <laughs> Ben wrote in and the pseudo subject line of this uh, message to us was that podcast about school lunches. Wow. Okay. That's his leader. Okay. Nice. So he enjoyed it. Uh, so Ben says, I had reduced price lunches of 40 cents per lunch. Full price was $1.20 wow. because mm-hmm. we were considered lower class by the economic standards of the time. And we talked about that. Uh, yeah. There was a mm-hmm. stigma often attached to that too, which was yeah. unfortunate. Uh, also, almost no one ate a sack lunch or a box lunch. Almost everyone that was present ate the school meal. Okay. Yeah. Th- this story gets sadder and sadder as we go. So hey, hang in there. Okay. There was no alternate choice for the main meal, though people could choose between the sides. And there were only wow. three different types of drinks all were types of milk. Wow. <laughs> Skim, whole, and chocolate. Hopefully chocolate was no, that must be got. It. That must be the three. Yeah, it's, it's got to be the three. Okay. <laughs> 
he goes on to say there were also none of the following. So he listened to the episode and heard all these awesome things that our listeners wrote in and said they had. Ben had none of this. Soda, ice cream mm. machines, eating out every day, going to fast food restaurants. There were no fast food restaurants in my town anyway. Dang, Ben. Wow. <laughs> slushy machines choices of other main meals 40 minute lunch breaks access to the kitchen etc so that was on you george access to the damn yeah. kitchen making your pork chops <laughs> i wasn't making them i was just reheating them want to clarify it's, it's, a, it's an important stipulation okay that's right but yeah so ben had he was the worst of all scenarios he had none of the benefits that a lot of us had mm. but everybody because of that they all had the same lunch and they all ate together in the same room and- that's a town i want to run away from <laughs> yeah well, he, i'm I guess he probably did when he got older. Get the hell out of there so we can get to a McDonald's. There's not even one in town. <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, and he, the last thing he says is, by the way, we're talking about the Mexican pizza. We didn't know the name of it necessarily. We talked about it. He said, Fiestadas or Fiestada pizza was the Mexican pizza that Thanos was probably thinking of. Huh. Okay. So I didn't know it had okay. a name. But all right. I didn't either. But listen, Ben had school lunch every day. So we know he has an authority and he probably yeah. does know the name. He definitely knows more than me. So I'll give him credit Fiestadas. For that. <laughs> Great. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed the episode where you said last time, Mo, we seem to be getting a lot of feedback on that school lunch episode. So every now and then we hit, hit just hit a vein of nostalgia that maybe people hadn't <laughs> tapped before. Like, oh, crap, the school lunches. Damn. <laughs> ben, thank you for writing in. We're glad that you enjoyed the show. We're appreciating that you wrote in and let us know what you think. Listener, if you would like your email featured here on the show, it is so easy. All you have to do is drop an email to podcast at genxgrownup.com. We read every single one of them and most of them eventually make the show just like Ben's. All right, it's time to get my whip and gun ready. Start to some adventuring to take place right after this break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Be sure to subscribe to or follow Gen X Grown Up wherever you listen. And while you're there, rate and review the show too. It helps more than you know. Now, the creators of Jaws and Star Wars bring you a totally modern hero. Trust me. The new age of adventure. From the jungles of Peru to the streets of Cairo, from the greed of the pharaohs to the wrath of God. Raiders of the Lost Ark, rated PG. Opens June 12th at a theater near you. Check local newspapers. Raiders of the Lost Ark. So look, as you're listening to this, uh, I think this episode is going to come out June 22nd. The mm-hmm. final okay. film, I guess, final film, maybe, final? in the Indiana yeah. Jones series. <laughs> yeah, that's what they're telling us. The Dial of Destiny is supposed to come out next week. So you just have a few days left to see it. We have longer because we're recording this ahead of time. You just have about a week to wait. <laughs> but we thought that would be an ideal time to go back to where it all began before we see the finale ostensibly finale (laughs) of this film series, I think it'd be fun. And it was fun to go back and relive and remember Raiders of the Lost Ark as it was, how we enjoyed it in our childhood. So Mo, why don't you get us started just kind of talking about the origins of this film and tell us kind of what it's about. Really? I mean, come on. 
if if you actually need to know the basic the story behind Raiders of Lost Ark, you're listening to the wrong podcast. I mean, <laughs> if you don't you know this story at this point, then let's just let's just move on to how the movie was made. How about that? I mean, yeah, we could we could always talk about Goonies or something like that <laughs> yeah, exactly. that not everybody has watched. Yeah, that, exactly, <laughs> that's something I wouldn't actually know. It'd be information right. was new to me. But everyone knows what this whole thing is. There's Nazis, there's religious artifacts. Everyone knows this part. So let's right Nazis whips and religious artifacts. That's right. That's the that's the subject line well for this it up. movie. That's the part you need to know. Yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> Well, as before, Mo did a bunch of research for us for the history of this. And and one thing that we know is that George Lucas first conceived this film back in 1973. And he, he saw an opportunity. He wanted to take an opportunity to modernize the old, the cereals that you would mm-hmm. see. Cereals mm-hmm. with an S, not, not putting your bowl with milk. The cereals that you would see <laughs> when you go to the film and you'd often see like Buck Rogers or Flash Gordon or something. Mm-hmm. And you see little snippets, little 10 minute pieces. And the deal was you had to go back to the movie theater every single week whether you wanted to see the movie or not, because you had to see the next part of the serial of this swashbuckling adventurer. And he's like, I would like to take that, that old serial feeling, right. the swashbuckling kind of adventure thing, but turn that into its own film, not the thing at the front of the film. Yeah, I'd tell you that my movies that my dad loved this movie was it reminded him of the old serials. Mm-hmm. That he says it, it really, he says he, he said it was just like that's the way they were and like certain tropes, like the hero never loses his hat. You know, just things that they had in there. He said it was just <laughs> awesome callbacks to the whole serials. Yeah. Now, Lucas, actually, he thought he was going to go straight adaptation. He wanted to make a Flash Gordon movie. Yeah. Wow. But he couldn't get the rights. So that Flash Gordon was a big serial that you would see oh, yeah. back in the you know, 50s, you know, 60s, I'm whenever. I'm kind of happy we got the other Queen oh, yeah. soundtrack Flash Gordon instead of a George Lucas Flash Gordon. I mean, I'm sure it would have been great, but... But it wouldn't have been so cool know. and campy, would it? It would not have been... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely would not have been campy. I want to live in a world <laughs> where we have both that Flash Gordon and then this Raiders of the Lost Ark. I need them both. Right. Separate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One thing is that the movie was actually supposed to be titled The Adventures of Indiana Smith, which I'm yeah, okay with. Really? The, I was okay with the name. Yeah. But apparently there was like another. <laughs> I wonder why Mo was okay with yeah, that name. I'm all right with that. Um, <laughs> but it's such but a the, generic blah name. It's exactly. It's fine. But the, but apparently there was another serial hero with that same last name. And they said, oh, it'd really? Be, it'd be too samey. And they thought it was just too. Wait a minute. Wait. The last name Smith would be too samey. Really? Well, that's the first time they thought of it. They didn't yeah. think of that when they first gave it that name. Well, Come because on. they said, well, because there was a previous hero, a movie out with the last name Smith, I guess. So they were like, okay, I know, we but don't want to do that. It's the name Smith. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's going to be. You know, everybody's going to have that name. It's the alias most people use when they check in a hotel. We know that it's, it's samey. It's the name Smith. It's like herpes. Half the population has it. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow whoa well keep, keep in did. mind keep in mind george is in tallahassee so different metric oh, over true, there true true <laughs> sure it's only about 40 percent over here <laughs> oh my god anyway well so you talk about the name i didn't know about that indiana smith thing but in preparing for this podcast i'm, I'm doing stuff like you know you know making cards and getting it mm-hmm. ready and i i put on the card you know episode 149 raiders of the lost ark and then as i'm researching i keep seeing reference to indiana jones and the raiders of the lost mm-hmm. ark and i go oh Bullshit. that must be the that must be the name of the movie and i just forgot mm-hmm. no nope. no it was so here's what i finally i got to look it up like yeah i had to end up going to google and going what is the name of Raiders of the Lost Dark and why did it change?
change or whatever. Turns out it was always, this is like, was there a new hope in the front of Star Wars or not? There right. wasn't when it was new. It had got adopted later. By the time Raiders of the Lost Ark came out on VHS release or home video, mm-hmm. there was already a Temple of Doom, which was called Indiana yep. Jones, Jones and, and the Temple. Yeah. Temple of Doom. So what they, they wanted to make all these films appear cohesive and alphabetically on the shelf mm-hmm. correctly all together. It makes sense. So they updated the name to this film to Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark for its video release. But on screen, nothing changed. They didn't get retconned with, you know, get all Lucasy and add the name. It's still called Raiders of the Lost Ark. Most people just call it Raiders. That's what I always called it. Yeah. You know, it's the exact same thing that happened to another popular film franchise of the time, the First Blood Rambo series. Mm. That movie, originally, the first just one is called First Blood. First Blood. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. But then when the second one was coming out to do the same thing on the video shelves, John, they yep. called it Rambo colon First Blood or whatever. Because yep. right. if you hadn't seen it, you might not know it's a Rambo movie necessarily. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny, when they came up with the script, like Lucas and Spielberg, I mean, they got together because they wanted to do this movie together for, I think they planned it back in Jaws, I think they were talking about it or something like that. Mm. But they basically had like the basic beats of the script. Like they had like the certain plot points points, all that stuff. But then they hired Lawrence Kasdan, who's like, I guess he's done like a whole bunch of movie scripts and stuff. Oh, yeah. To yeah. basically make it a movie. <laughs> you know? Right. You right. Know, it, it was a bunch of ideas and a bunch of scenes, but he actually made it a cohesive film and did an amazing job looking at what he did. Absolutely. Yeah, right? Damn, did he. Another thing I found out, though, which is cool, is like this is one of the early uses of storyboarding, like extensive storyboarding to do a movie because, okay. as we'll learn, like there was like some budget and stuff like that. So they really wanted to plan out things extremely well, like scenes and stuff. So they did mm-hmm. tons. Tons and tons of drawings of every scene, of camera angles, everything. So they actually had over 6,000 images that they drew, wow. which they, oh, it's almost like they made a flip movie of the movie. Right. That's like shot for shot. That's got to be every shot in that movie. Yeah. I mean, there, there probably aren't many more than seven or 8,000 shots total in that film. I don't know. It sounds like they were well planned out. They were extremely, extremely well planned out. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense as to why then the budget at that time was $20 million. I mean, that's not a small budget back then. Mm. No. I think War Games had a $20 million budget. Yeah. That's like the same as that yeah. movie, and they yeah. got the same out of it? I can't imagine. I mean, it's crazy. But even though early screenings of it didn't go well, like audiences just didn't like the first screenings of huh? it, it still went on to gross $330 million worldwide, which is no reason... <laughs> Or no wonder why we now have a fifth final yeah. film of what, you know, whatever's going to happen. That's a pretty yeah. good return on investment. Holy cow. The one thing that was unique about the money side of this film, Lucas, you know, he's a tried and true person at this point. He's done the Star Wars franchise. Oh, yeah. You right. got Spielberg on board who's done Jaws and he's Mr. Summer Blockbuster. But they had a hard time getting funding because of the high amount and the studios, you know, Lucas is famous for not wanting them to have any creative of input mm-hmm, into yeah. the film so they were like no nah, maybe not and then of course what does lucas want in every movie he does he wants every goddamn licensing right that there is <laughs> because he's gonna make oh, yeah. toy boulders and little idols that kids are gonna <laughs> choke on all that kind of stuff <laughs> choking idols <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, finally they found Michael Eisner over at Paramount and Mm -hmm. he agreed to all of Lucas's demands, but he put a bunch of penalties in there for going over budget. 
and they also got exclusive rights to any of the sequels. So That's smart. I was worried about Spielberg, you know, because Spielberg had done a few over budget things. And of course, mm-hmm. Lucas, you know, he had written his own checks on the last two right. Star Wars films. That, well, oh, yeah. they happened later, but everybody knew these two guys could spend money. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. they put they put some stuff in place. Well, they got their money back, luckily. I think, they, oh, I think they're pretty yeah. happy with that return on investment. They seem to have done okay. Yeah, yeah. I think they're all right with it. <laughs> yeah, and I was doing some digging of like how they were kind of coming up with the Indiana Jones character, his persona. Okay. Again, they were going back to the original serial and a couple things was like, it had to be kind of like that everyman. That was like a big thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so they said that they were modeling after like old, like the Clint Eastwood Westerns. Oh. Uh, Toshiro Mifoni, which he was, he did um, a bunch like the Seven Samurai. He did uh, Yojimbo. Oh, right. Okay. He was mm-hmm. a big, a really famous, and he was actually the guy who started that whole lone warrior, lone person genre oh. as a character. Yeah, the, and even James yep. Bond, you know, basically he's like person by himself kind of being thrown into a situation as a sort of dealing with it. Gotcha. And it was funny because Lucas, and I'm so glad they did not go with this. He mm-hmm. wanted Jones to be like this kung fu playboy dude. Oh. <laughs> what? Mm. Yeah. And who did his lifestyle but all the treasures he stole basically is how he paid for his oh, lifestyle. God. That's totally the opposite. Like he wants everything in a museum. That's, yeah, he doesn't exactly. even he doesn't right. want to trade in these things. Yeah, so that would have been so much thank worse. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah. Spielberg and Kazan both were like, okay, let's, they said the character is complicated enough with just him being an adventurer and archaeologist. That's plenty right there. We don't need any more than that. Well, we have learned that Lucas needs somebody to keep him in check yeah. or he will just go crazy with his ideas. Mm-hmm. Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. Anyway. They, yeah. <laughs> and they said Spielberg and those guys were also really pushing that Jones had to be like this fallible, vulnerable, sometimes funny character. Like some you know, mm-hmm. little comedic things because that's how people will relate to it. It's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And so they really pushed. And th- again, you know, calmer heads prevailed and that's what they got. <laughs> and that's why we have such an iconic character. Yeah. I mean, it, it's good that Lucas has people around to edit him. Yeah. Lucas yeah. is a creative genius. Oh, I'm yeah, not yeah. denying that. Oh, absolutely. oh, yeah. But like a lot of creative people, he tends to lose himself in a multitude myriad of changes depending upon the whims of his thoughts at the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you have that plus an unlimited check, you know, it's it's going to get you into trouble. Yeah. That's why yeah, we ended say. up with Return of the Jedi and Moe's point of Jar Jar Binks. Well, I think we've learned Lucas is a better collaborator than he is a lone wolf. Yeah. Yeah. But he yeah. comes up with amazing ideas. Oh, absolutely. He does. 100%. Right. Oh, yeah. Now, filming began on this movie in June of 1980. That's going to be important in a second. And then it ended in September. The reason why it's important is because they used Tunisia to portray Egypt mm-hmm. and Spielberg described the phase of one of his worst filming experiences ever because <laughs> the temperature in Tunisia in June <laughs> was over 130 degrees in the shade, 150 different crew members got sick. They had dysentery from the local food. Spielberg, he was like the only guy to stay healthy. I don't know if he had a like Halil diet or some shit or whatever. Don't but drink the water. He, he stayed healthy mainly because he ate food and water that they brought over from England. Yeah, Everybody he, oh. else had to eat the local, mm. but he got the special Dasani water, I guess, or whatever. Jeez. Lucas got a severe sunburn and facial swelling i don't know how they could tell but he did (laughs) ow man (laughs) poor george Um, whatever you know they had one day of filming in this place that was supposed to be you know like the cairo village that they lost the entire day's worth of film though just to show you all the crazy stuff that happened on this set 
because there were 300 TV antennas on rooftops that they had to take off because they weren't period authentic. They would be seen. Nobody had TV antennas in what was it, 1939 Uh, or 34 or something that it was set in? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, the the extreme heat in Egypt, well, in Tunisia, wherever, the Egypt heat, it added so much to the film. Because mm-hmm. you see these close-up shots and people are absolutely drenched. <laughs> and it's because it's so hot. Okay, yes, it's hot in Egypt, obviously, but they were, they're running around, running for their lives, trying right. to survive, hanging off trucks. They're not taking a break between shots. And so they looked exhausted and just emaciated and sweaty. You can imagine if it was just hot out, but not that hot. Right. Mm-hmm. You'd have to keep hosing them down to look sweaty. There was no special <laughs> effects for that. People yeah. looked like they were miserable. And that was all part yeah. of, made it realer. Mm-hmm. The scene that exemplifies that the most to me of any of the scenes in the movie is actually not a close-up though it's one that's a faraway shot where jones is standing on the top of a dune way off in the distance and the other workers are digging to try oh, and find the sun the in the chamber. distance that's where he puts his hat on and the heat yeah that he shot. takes his hat oh. off wipes his brow puts his hat back on but the heat waves that were legitimate oh, yeah. heat waves yes. in the film. That's the scene that like, I saw that as a kid going, damn, that's hot. <laughs> yeah. man. And you mentioned that shot that stood out, that leapt off the screen at me. Yeah, we were watching yeah, it just the other day. It's like, what a beautiful shot. Yeah. And oh, the gorgeous. sun in the background. And then it cuts to an onset shot where there's like all these blue clouds and crap. And I'm like, whoa, right. now we're back in, back in the soundstage. But it was <laughs> remarkable. It, it, the heat helped the film really. Oh yeah, for sure. I think one of the reasons though, we talked earlier about how, how early audiences and early screenings, they didn't really appreciate it. The first cut of the film, this is in the 80s, folks. This is not 2023, but the first cut of this film was three hours long. Mm. 1980s moviegoers would never tolerate right. a three-hour film. I want to see that movie. Yeah, no theater would play it. No theater would put out a three-hour movie. Yeah, True. they're losing yeah, money. They're, right. they're losing money. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They wouldn't do it back then. But, you know, obviously, Lucas, they tapped Industrial Light and Magic, ILM, to do all the special effects, of course. Mm-hmm. Okay, obviously. But I think one of the things that really made this movie amazing is that a lot of special effects were practical effects. Yeah. Very, sure. very few, you know, special effects like we have today. So again, it's, it's just something that just added like a, just a, I don't know, an authenticity to the movie. I don't know if that's the right word, but you know what I mean? It just made it seem yeah, much it more real. Yeah, made it feel real, right? Yeah. yeah, feel more real. Of course. You know, can we ever talk about the fact though that George Lucas made a crap ton of these movies during that time period where he got a studio to pay his company to do the thing he wanted mm-hmm. to do. So he yeah, go. got the studio to pay him to do all those special effects fucking brilliant we've established he's a genius yeah oh don't forget he also got them to do the thx sound that's also his company right. skywalker yeah. sound yep <laughs> so <laughs> i'm also a client <laughs> we have so much more to talk about in this backtrack from all the people involved some amazing scenes and stuff but before we get into that and wrap up this first segment I want to do one of those round tables where we go mm-hmm. around. I know I remember. Do you guys remember either the first time you saw it or any memories you have oh, yeah. around the first exposure to Raiders? I see Mo shaking his head. So I'd like to start with you, Mo. Sure. Actually, I went and saw it because I don't remember, there was almost no publicity for this movie. I, that yep, I remember. I, nope. right. So we went out. It was Friday night. We went out to go see a movie. And actually, back then, we would just go to the theater sometimes and just see what was playing. See what's playing. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And we went there and we said, oh, Raiders Lost Ark. Eh. And we didn't know that. That was the opening night and there was no line. Oh. 
There was nobody there. We just wow. walked, bought a ticket, walked right in, saw this amazing movie. When we go back to see it a week later, lines are on the block. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just so weird. It was like, holy cow, the opening weekend. This is like, there was no one there. I remember also that there's, I did not know what the movie was about. I don't remember yeah. seeing a trailer. I don't remember seeing, a, maybe I saw a poster, I guess. But it, poster looked cool, but it was mm-hmm. not much. And uh, I ended up going with, we didn't, often we go to the movies as a family, but it was like a matinee and my friend's mom was like, you guys want to go out to the movies? Cause we've been to the pool. We played army men. <laughs> we've been out running around. Do you guys, what else could we do? Do you want to go see a movie, a matinee? And we're like, sure. But we didn't know what we we're going to see. Like you, we went to the theater and we just walked in and I had no idea what I was going to be seeing. And we chose Raiders and we sat down and it had to be, had to be early, a week or so in. It was relatively new. It was mm-hmm. pretty new. And I just was dumbstruck because it was one of those, those, pivots in your life where you're like, wait, this is a movie? What have I been watching all this time? Are you kidding me? <laughs> this it was so here? good. Right. It was I'm like, how did they figure out to do all these perfect things in this perfect order to make me like, I kept dying to see the next scene, right? It wasn't yeah. like what happens next. It's like, I absolutely need to know. It mm-hmm. pulls you through. Oh, and I felt yeah. the same way watching it this time. What about you, George? Have any specific memories? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was in that second group that Mo happened upon <laughs> in his second go around. The line waiters. We didn't know anything about about the movie when it first opened. I heard about it from some friends probably in the second or third week of its opening. And this was back when movies would stay in the theater for all, months yeah, and months summer, on end. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Like now movies, you know, if they stay in for four weeks, it's like, oh shit, shit. it's doing wonderful. This must be big. Yeah. It's, <laughs> right. in that, it's in that super tiny theater at the end with like two seats, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. I do remember the super long line wrapping around the theater. I went and wow. saw it in the same theater that I saw Star Wars in, which Mm. was a newly built theater here in town. And I just remember a lot of anticipation because my friends who had already seen it talked it up so much. Mm -hmm. You have to go see this movie. I'm not going to tell you anything about it. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. It's all kinds of cool stuff. And then I said, okay, just tell me at least a little something about what it's about before Mm -hmm. I go see it. Like, okay, it's about archaeology. I went, what the fuck? What? It, does, it doesn't sound like much when you describe it, does it? Yeah. There was nothing that sounded appealing in the way they described it to me. That's the biggest part of the memory I have. And then, uh, of course, you go see it and you're blown away and you come out and you're like, holy shit, you were right. You know, it's like it was a great experience all the way around. There, There's probably 10, maybe 15 films in my life that I remember everything about the theater visit. This is one of them. Mm, that makes sense. It, it was it was that kind of uh, this dynamic change in in the cinema experience. So much more Raiders to talk about, and we're going to get back into it. Stick around. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to Gen X Grown Up. But if you have a friend who's not yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. Indy, over here. Indiana Jones at your service, Toad. Ah! Indiana Jones and other action figures new from Raiders of the Lost Ark Collection, each sold separately. Watch him, Cairo, swordsman. Yeah, watch my swing. Yikes! 
All downhill from here, swordsman. You'll be sorry, Jones. Tricky again, Toad. Indiana Jones, Toad, and Cairo Swordsman action figures, each sold separately from Raiders of the Lost Ark Collection, new from Kenner. As we often like to do in the podcast, when we get to our next segment, we like to talk about the talent and the people behind the movie. Now, we have mm-hmm. talked extensively already about Lucas and Spielberg and the mm-hmm. writers. and the We know who they are. <laughs> produ- yeah, I'm, I'm not bringing any of them up this time. Normally, we start this off with a director. There's no right. point. You know who yep. Spielberg is. You know who Lucas is. No point. So we might as well go ahead and get into the next person who we really don't need to talk about at all. Harrison Primadonna Ford, <laughs> who was the titular character, Indiana Jones, or the former, the later titular character because they renamed it on the vhs show whatever no we're going with the original name yeah we're going okay he, he was <laughs> just, the just raider of the lost ark he was the raider <laughs> that's right yeah he's an archaeology professor and adventurer yeah yeah it's fair i mean when my friends described the movie to me as i was talking about previously that wasn't part of their description it was just it's about archaeology uh- <laughs> Well, that doesn't sell it well, does it? It doesn't sell yeah. it really well. Well, and I alluded to earlier that there are parts of this film that, I, that hit me differently now that I'm older. And actually, it was the part where he wasn't adventuring. Like, he's talking mm-hmm. to uh, Brody, I think, who's the, yeah. the the guy from the university. And, and right. he's like, if I was five years younger, I would be going to do this amazing thing. But instead, he's sending yeah. mm-hmm. he's sending Dr. Jones. And I, I, I resonated more with the parts where he was not swashbuckling, that he was tired, he was exhausted, he's hurt, he wants to take a nap, all this stuff. Yep. And Ford, he hams it up that doesn't in a way that doesn't feel hammy somehow. Yeah. Do you guys know like who was supposed to be Indiana Jones, right? It was Tom Selleck. Yeah. Oh, I, I, there's a screen test you can see, I think. Right. right? Yeah. And he couldn't yep. do it because he couldn't get out of his Magnum PI contract. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Boy, talk about it's one of those career moments that you're like, oh, crap, I probably should have went that route. But <laughs> I mean, it's not like Selleck has had a bad That's career true. He had, since no, he's then. Fine. He's done right. all right for himself. Oh, yeah, but yeah. But I don't has- think he could have played, to John's point, he could not have played the beat up character that Harrison Ford did right. in the second half of the film. The character right. who was had his ass kicked and all the bruises. And oh, yeah. Then Karen Allen's like on the bed with him and stuff. And she's like <laughs> stabbing at all of his bruises. Like, it hurts here, 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 here. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Selleck wouldn't have looked good doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I would say also just looking at, you know, you speak of Karen Allen who played, you know, Marion Ravenwood, you know, the, mm. the, I calling her romantic interest is not the right word. She's like the partner, I guess I would say, right? Like this almost like sidekick. I, I don't know. Right like she's is. all those things. Isn't yeah. she? She's all of it. She's self-assured in a way that a lot of female characters were not at that point in film mm-hmm. history though. Oh yeah, absolutely. And can we talk about the chronology here? And they, they mentioned it briefly in the film so she had to be at the oldest could she have been 30 in this film i don't think so 28 20s, maybe 20s. the actress yeah. or the character the character both either okay. one okay either one but they talk about they had a relationship 10 years ago mm-hmm. yeah she was underage absolutely and so well, I, <laughs> she might have been 18 so I, I haven't read all the fanfic i've got to guess that she was a student because he knew her father and they worked exactly. together she was a right. student and you saw the students fawning over him yeah oh, and yeah. so but he doesn't pay attention to them anymore so i'm guessing maybe maybe <laughs> he learned his lesson to not fall for the students because it's so yeah. easy because it went bad with marion <laughs> that no i assumed that that was part of the storyline i never yeah. got to read the script back then but i just assumed that when i watched the movie that he fanned away from that one student with the love you on her eyelids mm, yeah. <laughs> and Ravenwood was the embodiment of that mistake. Yeah. yeah. I would, that's how I felt. Yeah. And Spielberg actually 
picked her for the role because he saw her in Animal House. Right. She was the hmm. um, okay. she was the yep. girlfriend, and he said he wanted somebody who kind of could portray like a strong, independent yep. character. And she, Done. Did. she was uh, Boone's was, girlfriend. Yep. Yeah. And, Successful. And, and that was that was a really great that was great casting. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to I guess you could say it was Indiana Jones's foil. He was yeah, his at nemesis. every turn he was thwarting his efforts, and that's Paul Freeman who played yeah. Rene Belloc, Belloc. or mm. Beloche, as the Belloc. workers are calling him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's Rene belloc what a dick this guy is and i love seeing him be such a dick it was so because he's not just he's not just a competitor he knows he's the underhanded competitor you can see the relationship in the opening scene where he's where he's going in to get the idol right and the boulder chases him out yeah and belloc is like he's gonna do all the heavy lifting i'm gonna stay i'm gonna work with the natives and just take Mm -hmm. whatever it is that he gets and he keeps doing that kind of thing to them he's always prepared he sides with the nazis so they can get what he Mm -hmm. wants he sides with the natives so he can get what he wants he's a manipulator and a user and somehow paul freeman he seems likable despite the fact that he's such an absolute (laughs) jerk yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that whole scene when he's talking to Jones and saying like, we're, we're just two sides of the same coin, you know? Yeah. And he's and like, they, no, no. and they actually, I mean, they are, cause they, all they care about is getting their goal. I mean, both uh, at, at I mean, Jones yeah. wants to, George, but Jones wants to get the idol, but he wants to get it for research. The other guy mm-hmm. wants to get it for money, but still though, the best, that's their goal is to do it whatever cost. And just Belloc seems like he just does smarter instead of harder, you know, like he smarter just, instead of harder. Yeah. <laughs> that's you know, a good point. Hey, you, you get chased by the boulder. I'll just wait ahead and just take it from mm. you. <laughs> I think it was funny though. Something that John, you talked about appreciating the movie differently as you watched it later on sure. in life. Yeah. Now with the knowledge that I have and watching stuff in the news and everything, I see both of them as assholes because they, they had, were they, both, they both pilfering assholes. antiquities from yeah. other people's worlds right. saying that oh, yeah. they knew what was best for those antiquities. And that's <laughs> a bunch of bullshit. It's just that Jones is self-righteous about it because it's going into a museum, which is right. still yeah. appropriating it, just it's not for that. Exactly. Right. That's it's right. not like yeah. that museum isn't going to make money off of that yeah. fucking yeah, exactly. idol being on display. So <laughs> I'm yeah. more noble. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even at the very beginning when he's in the classroom and, and um, the guy approaches him about, you know, all oh, these FBI guys here he's like look i got these pieces says, oh i'm sure you acquired these using the you know antiquities act of blah blah blah, blah, blah. Appropriate <laughs> methods right yes yeah <laughs> you're like no he didn't <laughs> well he's because he's like the museum will of course buy them from you right mm-hmm. it's still about money even though they gloss over it multiple times on his character and try to shove it in your face with the bella character which by the way was never redone again in any of the indiana jones films as successful it was in this first film they tried to redo that character character type in the third film in the last crusade mm-hmm. wasn't nearly as successful no, no, as no. with this one no, no, no belloc sure. is just the best villain for indiana yeah, jones has ever he was had. good yeah because he wasn't really evil he wasn't no he was human he used nefarious right. methods exactly. to exactly. do what he wanted to do and he justified it he rationalized right. yeah. it exactly yeah. one of my favorite characters is uh john reese davies he played Salah. you know his egyptian oh, yeah. and all the his good friend that actor alone Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was yeah. Gimli. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> he's just one of these characters that just, his with his voice and his presence, just takes over a scene because mm-hmm. he's such a big guy. I'm so happy to see that he's going to be in this film. Yeah. You know, he's just such a big personality, big person, but so likable. You, you just can't not like the guy. Likable. He's lovable. As soon as you <laughs> see him with his family and all of his kids and mm-hmm. they all and the monkey and the, and his wife is like this terrible animal. Oh, he's cute. He's welcome in our home then. Like <laughs> this is a tight family that has known Jones for a while. 
and they just care for him. And even yeah. When, yeah. Oh, he gets in a jam and they send all the damn kids to get him out of the jam. You know, yeah, Uncle Jones, right. Uncle Jones. Right? <laughs> it, it's just, it's, he permeates love, love for Indy, love for his family, love yeah. for that. Whereas everybody else is kind of ambiguous. He is purely good. And yeah. I love that about oh, his yeah. character here. Oh, even when he's setting him off on the submarine. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, that, that was a very touching scene where they're saying goodbye to him and he starts singing at the end, you know, this rousing song. Because Marion kissed him. And this, yeah. and this kiss is for you. Right. <laughs> I wholeheartedly believe that his absence from the second film is why it's considered to be the less of the three first Indiana Jones films. That His didn't character help, didn't help, makes yeah. both the first and the third film yeah. so lovable and happy and those funny moments, like in the third film, Last Crusade, where he's like trying to get Denholm Elliott to run and he's saying it under his breath and he punches the guy through the newspaper. Right. Those kinds of moments can't be done by any other character or actor in those series. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's awesome. Uh, so another bad guy who was a collaborator, I guess, with Belloc, well, actually with the Nazis and everybody, yeah. was Ronald Lacey, who played Major Arnold Tote. So mm. this is the guy... Later on, we're going to talk about our favorite scenes. Hello, he plays Friday. prominently in my favorite storyline <laughs> of this entire film. Uh, but he's he's the guy who has the little round glasses. He's the guy that burns his hand. And he yeah. has the, right. the headpiece of the Staff of Ra burned into his hand that we find out about. This guy is just, I don't know what it is. He's like like weaselly and creepy and yes. slimy and snaky. And, Great casting. And at any moment, the, the crazy thing he did with the the clothes hanger with his jacket, you're like, <laughs> at any cool. moment, he's yeah. devising this tool of torture and he's making a hanger for his coat. But at any moment, you were convinced it wasn't, right? right. It was going to be yeah. something devastating. Oh, yeah. Well, you remember the scene where he, when they're fighting in the bar and he lights the mm-hmm. bar on fire to try to get Indy? Yes. Look mm-hmm. at his face. That's the only time you see him smile. He's happy that he did it. Yeah. He's like, ah, yeah. I'm the bird. He loves you. chaos. Yeah. 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 He's an enforcer. He's a guy that, that they sent in to get the job done and he did it. Oh, One yeah. way or the other, he did it. it well, kind <laughs> of, I guess. <laughs> you know, still though, we've mentioned him a little bit when we talked about some of the other characters in this film. Denholm Elliott as Marcus Brody. Mm. Yeah. He plays a different character in all of the films. This is the one that he's the most serious. I think this is the one where they were showing him as a serious museum director. And I got the impression that he worked at that university, even though he probably didn't. Mm -hmm. But he was a great informer of the story to the audience. His character played perfectly for that. Like every time you're wondering about Indiana Jones or what he was going to do or how he's getting hooked up with these government people or anything, Mm -hmm. it's Denholm Elliott's Marcus Brody character that helps the audience to understand it. Yeah. But also it's funny how he's smart. Like when they talk talk about the arc, he's filling in the information as much as Indiana Jones is, you know, Mm -hmm. which I kind of liked. It's like, oh, okay, this is a a smart guy. This is a smart guy. He he said he would have been happy to go on this adventure five years ago. He was an older, younger man, right? I think of him like this. And I'm curious if you guys agree. I see him as, whereas like Marion and Belloc and everyone, mm-hmm. that is, that's Jones's connection to his adventuring world. Mm-hmm. Brody mm-hmm. is, is Jones's academic. connection to his academic world, to yeah, his, yeah. his real life outside Absolutely. of adventuring. Exactly. And he's that, he's like that lightning rod that grounds him to his real life. hundred percent. Even when he's out doing the other stuff. And he, Denim Elliott just does it beautifully. Mm-hmm. That's why I was sad with what they did with him in the third film, because yeah. they made him more of a bumbling idiot. Kind of goofy. Yeah, a clown. I understood why they had to do it because you got Sean Connery there as the replacement. And, you know, you can't pay Sean Connery that kind of money and not have him do that role. Do what he does. Yeah. Yeah. I I was very happy with what he did in the first film. I was a little sad at what happened to him in the third. Yeah. Oddly enough, these are not the only stars in this film, though. There's one (laughs) that I just want to mention briefly. Believe it or not, this is the first theatrical appearance of Alfred Molina. 
He's in the first five minutes of the film. And then he's gone. Sapito or Sapato or <laughs> Sapito, however you say his name. Yeah. But he's the guy who he steals the idol and the whip from Jones and he's like drops the whip. And he's like, good luck, my friend. And he runs off and he gets stabbed by the like arrows the from the light trap. Yeah. Which, by the way, how the fuck did that work? Hey, hey, hey. You wave your hand in a light, <laughs> light sensor. Right. Yeah. They were very smart back then. Just go with it. I guess the Mayans had light sensors. That's right. Okay, whatever. It was neat to see him in that role because he became such a big yeah. actor later on. Yeah, it wasn't until probably 10 or 15 years ago that I realized that was Alfred Molina. I didn't read <laughs> I know. Credits, oh, yeah. But now you watch it like that guy's been in everything. He's an amazing yeah. actor. Yeah. And really, he's just here being an assistant who betrays Jones is his job yes. here. And then he right. dies on these spikes right? because he's already forgotten all the rules that Jones told him because he's thinking about how to rip him off and, you know, mm-hmm. and run fast. Bad yeah. things happen to him. Poor guy. <laughs> but we got Alfred Molina out of it. So good for you, Al. There are a couple of other character actors that are worth mentioning. Producer Frank Marshall. He is a pilot for that flying wing. The big plane they fight around and the, the big brawler guy gets caught right. in the propeller, right? Mm-hmm. So the, <laughs> I, I love when like writers and executive producers and stuff get little tiny roles just to say, look, here's me 100 years from now. Here's I got to be on TV. You know, he probably just got that because everybody else had passed they, out. Right. They were all in the Dysentery. like, I need like, somebody to put this uniform. Who's still, who's still standing upright? <laughs> right. Oh, Frank is good. All right, put him in there. Frank, the what size jacket you wear? Come with me. It's going to be oh, perfect. <laughs> the other one is somebody you've never heard of, but I thought this was fascinating. I just learned this the other day. The actor's name is just a, a bit part actor named Vic Tablian. And you know him initially as, what would I call him? The monkey guy with the eye patch. He's the handler for the monkey. Oh, okay. That's directing right. the monkey to do all this stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's right, played right. by this character actor named Vic Tablion. He played two roles in the film, I learned. He was also really? the guy who was the guide that, that sent that helped Indy get into the... He tried to shoot Indy, and he hit him with the whip. And at the end, he, had, he yeah. got all the porcupine oh, darts yeah. in his back, and he fell on his face. Right. That's him? Same guy, That's the same guy got to be a pivotal character Funny. in two different parts of the world all around Indiana Jones. Same actor. That's really hard. And again, That's to your awesome. point, George, they might have been like, well, everybody else is sick with dysentery. He's okay on film. Right. Nobody can remember what he looks like. Put an eye patch on him so you can't recognize him. We'll use Vic again. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, I, did, I did recognize no, him. No. <laughs> so the next time you watch it, take a good look at that guy's face. He has a very distinctive nose. And then look behind the eye patch. Same guy. That's funny. Wow. Yeah. Who knew? I just learned myself. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Each episode of Gen X Grown Up has show notes loaded with links where you can learn more about our topics. And there's even more to see and hear over at GenXGrownUp.com. Everybody is thrilled by us. Everybody talks about us. Everybody loves it. Because it will always be fun. Indiana Jones is back in Raiders of the Lost Ark. The return of the great adventure. Trust me. Raiders of the Lost Ark with PG. Opens Friday, July 16th at a theater near you. Check newspapers.
it's impossible to talk about this film and even the actors are how it was made without talking about, and we have some of our favorite scenes. We talked about the plane. We talked about the, the boulder, <laughs> all that stuff has come up already. Uh, but as we often do, when we talk about a, a piece of media like this, each of us pick like a favorite scene or story thread or part of the film that really resonates with you. Maybe your favorite, or maybe just the one that you enjoy the most. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to start with you, Mo. Is there one for you? There's sure. the absolute pinnacle oh, of this film. I mean, there's a few, but one that comes to mind is the one that probably had the biggest shock value. And actually this ties into George, what you mentioned earlier about how everyone was sick. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's a scene where they're in this, the town square and they're chasing him and Marion's in the basket and all that stuff. And then the big guy oh, with right. the sword oh, comes out. Going. Yeah. And, so, yeah. and then, and then all of a sudden you expect this big fight and instead he just takes out his gun and shoots him, <laughs> which everyone was like, what the hell? You know, cause it, right. That, well, it turns out the script originally had them doing a big fight where he was supposed to fight yes. with the whip and do all the stuff. Everyone was sick. Harrison Ford was sick. He's like, look, he says, can I just shoot him? <laughs> and they said, yeah, just yep. shoot him. And he just shot him. And that's how they did the scene. It was because yep. everyone was sick that day that they had to shoot I've read that story before. They yep. just said, I'm not doing a big fight scene. I cannot do a big fight scene right now. Can I just shoot him? And they said, that's sure. That's amazingly fortuitous because that speaks to his character. Yeah, oh yeah. And it wasn't written that way but it's like he's how do i get the job done with the least amount of effort and still you know accomplish and he did that's exactly harrison ford's acting career <laughs> yeah i guess yeah minimalist right? <laughs> and i have heard a quote that he is literally he spoke to spielberg and said can i just shoot him i'm afraid if we do this stunt i'm gonna shit my pants yep because <laughs> <laughs> he, he had intestinal problems from yeah. all the food and stuff yeah <laughs> But I just, the thing about the scene though, it's like, not only does he shoot the guy, but it's just like, oh, he should do something. It's just like blase. And turns around and goes, what's next? Yeah, Moving on. Like, yeah. Okay, now where is <laughs> yeah. she? You know, he's like, yeah. okay. You know, and you feel bad because the big guy with the sword, he had practiced fighting with that sword. Yeah, the poor guy, right? To get ready for that scene. <laughs> I don't feel bad for him though because of that change. He's immortalized he's on more film. Remembered. Like that's yeah. that's everybody's go-to scene. It's so much so that they've reenacted it in they've paid homage to it in other Indiana yeah. Jones and other films later yeah. on. Yeah. I mean, it's great. Mm -hmm. And I know you only said one scene, but I just want to just briefly mention the second one because oh, he's this, pulling a George on us. I am. Okay, I'm Mo, totally pulling a George. <laughs> okay. Fuck it's, off, pulling a George. Well, that's, what, okay. that's what we called it. We didn't name it. That's bullshit. Well, Mo and, and I named it that way. Yeah, yeah we, we did. Two, two to one. Us. We voted. Yeah. Um, <laughs> go ahead, Mo. It's just it's the it's the scene that probably had the most special effects, which is when they opened the actual arc and mm, that whole yeah. scene at the end. That as a, you know. I, 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 as a kid, when I saw it, I was like, it, it just, it awed me, to be honest, because mm -hmm. it was just, it was, just, now if I see it today, it doesn't awe me quite as much as I did when I was a kid, honestly, the special effects, were, uh, but I still think it's a, an effective scene. And, you know, if it was done today, I think it would have been much better, but it was still something that still sticks in my head, the whole ghost with the turning into skull and, you mm, know, the melting head, yeah. melting head, all that stuff. I honestly felt like that scene, I love that scene in the movie. I love the way it resolves mm -hmm. the story, but I mm -hmm. really, even as a young person, the first time I saw that, I was like, that looks fake. There was no part of it <laughs> the, that the melting head. Yeah. Cause everything else in the movie had felt so Is practical real, so real yeah. up yeah. until that point. And yeah. then I'm like, those are fucking puppets on a lollipop stick. What the hell is <laughs> yeah. that? That's right. The, yeah. the the woman with the you know the ghost of the woman. He says she's beautiful in terms of skull. Yeah. Right. They actually filmed it backwards, so that's to, to oh, give it like yeah. a like a weird kind oh of yeah way to approach, yeah. made it look strange. And stuff. But yeah, it's it's just a scene that just still sticks in my head though. Because as a kid, I was like, I mean, I, I agree. I think it was like it looked weird. It didn't seem like totally in place. But I just as a kid, I was like, oh, you know, it, that's a big ending. Yeah. Well, it was a scene we talked about. Like there was a trading card of the melting face. There was a trading 
trading card of Exploding Head. I mean, those yeah, were yeah. things that people remembered. George, how about you? Favorite scenes, parts? Yeah, I mean, one that um, played a lot in the practical effects world, the airplane fight was oh, my favorite yeah. scene of the film. As if anybody who listens to this podcast would have a doubt that a fight scene would be my favorite <laughs> part of a movie. I really enjoyed the choreography of them dancing around the spinning plane. Yeah. I thought that Doesn't was, need. I mean, you know, first you shoot Frank Marshall to get him to lean forward on the controls <laughs> right. and everything. And the plane spins around. That was really fun and nice. I love that part, but the whole, like he's got that, that rep scallion, you know, like bare knuckle boxer Nazi guy. Big, that just does a big dude. Yeah. Takes off mm-hmm. his shirt and he's like, yeah, uh-huh. let's go little man. And <laughs> they, you know, he's running from him and screaming like a girl and stuff throughout the whole thing. <laughs> the part that I love the most though, was the part that you don't see when the big guy gets chewed up by the oh, airplane yeah. propeller. Mm-hmm. I loved how they just like Indiana Jones turns and they, he didn't turn. And then they, cut immediately to the blood he turned and they paused for like a second right mm-hmm. and then they let the guy turn and see the propeller and then they showed the blood on the plane yeah i, was like, I loved the sequence <laughs> and the timing of that mm-hmm. to this day i still go back when i'm looking at that and that pause is what i think of when i'm like editing something for mm-hmm. you know audio or video or anything you just need those little moments of reality to help people to get prepared for what's coming. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned choreography. That's a perfect word for that entire scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, in, in my rewatch just recently, I was I rewound and watched again the scene where uh, toward the end of that entire sequence where there's all the fuel on the ground and they, they right. light off the fuel and the fuel is on its way to the plane. And those stunt people are running from the plane. Yeah. The fire yeah. is coming along that trench of fuel. <laughs> it is happening. And the camera's moving around. You see it perfectly. And the people are running perfectly. And the explosion, the explosion was a cut, but right. it is. It's like a dance. The, the stunt people, practical effects, again, yeah. it's real real fire, real plane, real people, is gorgeous. Absolutely. The thing that gets me about that fight scene, though, is, I don't know why it sticks in my head, is like when that big guy comes out and it just shows you how Indiana Jones is human. Because the guy just punches him and you see his knees just buckle. And he just buckle, falls. He drops. Yeah. Right, <laughs> right. Did he punch the big guy like five right times, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he hit once. One and done. <laughs> that was a great scene. Yep. It was. Now, you know, John, you've let me and Mo talk about our great scenes. Mm-hmm. Mo tried yep. to do the George or whatever you guys are calling it. <laughs> Pull it, George. I'm assuming you probably also have a favorite scene for the movie as waxing poetically as you've done on this. I, I do. I do. And it was not easy to pick, actually. And by the way, I'll point out, Mo, that George did not pull a George. You pulled a George. George did not. That's so true. I did not. He picked one. So we have to rename it in the future. <laughs> not maybe later. We'll see. No, we'll see. No, I mentioned that my favorite part was around Major Tote, the guy who the circle glasses with who got the, the oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He got the head of raw burned into his hand in Ravenwood's yeah. bar. Right? It's easy to miss if you've seen the movie a hundred times like we all have. But the first time you watch it, it's not obvious that when he grabs the staff head that there's an imprint on his hand. It's just that he burned his hand. It's not immediately right. obvious how that's going to play out. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, he burns his hand because it's hot and he gets, we know all that. But then there's a mystery around, well, how do they have a replica of the headpiece? I don't understand. Right. And they've already figured out where the Well of Souls is. Okay. And then a few lines of dialogue later, they're like, well, they only have one side of it. That's what I saw. And you're like, well, that I still, I'm not sure how mm-hmm. it is that they don't understand. 
And then they're like, they, he flips it over and the guy's translating. And it's like however many mm-hmm. cubits or something. Yeah. And you take back a cubit to honor the Hebrew God whose ark this is. Right. And they explain they only had one side. And it's like 30 minutes later that Major Tote shows up. And he's like, oh, here he is. And he does the Heil Hitler. And you see the staff imprint yeah. on his hand. <laughs> right. And it's like, we were talking last episode about the show you were watching where after a while you get this aha moment. Yes. Yep. And so I was watching this and trying to imagine how cool it was as it's developing the story and you go, oh my God, he burned his hand. I remember that at the beginning. They only had one side. It's because they had one side got burnt. Why is it too long? Because they couldn't read the flip side. That is beautiful writing. I yeah. love the way that they they don't spoon feed you that I burned my hand. He goes, oh, excellent. I now have an imprint. And he walks away. Right. It's yeah. just, it's a throwaway until it isn't. Yeah. It just, it's the good editing, the good storytelling, the good pacing. Yeah. And it you don't get that aha moment again, the third and fourth and hundredth time you watch it. But the first time you get the realization, you're like, that is a great way for them to somehow have a representation of it, though it's flawed because he doesn't have both sides. Yeah. And it plays out because he now knows the rights. And that's how he finds a well of souls. And that leads on to- I always so had many a problem with it though. Did what? you? What was your problem with Yeah. It? Well, because he grabbed the thing with his with his hand, he wrapped his fingers around the edges on the other side. <laughs> wouldn't the words on the other side have burnt into the tips of his fingers? No, no, no. No, no, no. Don't ruin my world. Shh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw the same thing and you're right. He grabs it like you, like a claw. It wasn't nicely right. like stamped onto his hand. Like somebody branded him. Right. Yeah. But that's what they ended up with. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is like you said, John, it's like when he burns his hand initially, all you think is, Oh, that's why he didn't take it. Right. Right. Ouch. That's, that's all yeah. you're thinking. Right. Mm-hmm. And instead right. you yeah. find out that it actually is an important piece of this whole movie. Yeah. Is yep. The fact that he did grab it. So that was and awesome. It's, it's well structured. I just yeah. love that part of it. I think we could go on with another 50 awesome scenes because we could really just go scene by scene. Every scene is kind of an awesome right, scene. Yeah. But, so those are some favorites. Uh, fourth listener, I'm sure you have favorites that are other scenes. Write in and tell us what you think. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with one of us? Do you agree with one of the mini that Mo made up or one of the ones that George and I had? <laughs> <laughs> Drop us a line and let us know. So we'd love to hear from you. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. If you're a diehard Gen X grown-up, you can pledge your support by clicking join on YouTube or by becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com slash Patreon. Can Indiana Jones escape from the forces of evil? Can he survive 13 fiendish situations? Will Indy make it all the way? Find out in Atari's Raiders of the Lost Ark adventure game. It's diabolically difficult. It's mysterious. It's never the same twice. And it's only from Atari. 
Now, we had mentioned at the outset of this backtrack that the reason we chose to talk about Raiders now is because the Dial of Destiny, uh, allegedly the final film in the Indiana Jones series, it's a huge franchise. Somebody's going to pick it up in the future. But for us, and probably this will be the last time Harrison Ford is going to portray this role. And in this segment, we want to talk about the lasting impact and uh, the everything that this film has touched. And we couldn't possibly run through all of it because it's it's like a Star Wars. It has touched everything. If uh, bed sheets and frisbees and T-shirts and action figures and it ran everything. This was a huge blockbuster film. So I thought maybe we would focus on just lightly on a few of those and some some high points and also more, more importantly, talk about the sequels that came after it, including some television offerings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was quite a bit. So we'll just get the the worst of the three original trilogy out of the way. Temple of Doom. <laughs> okay. The only thing that I like about this is Short Round. He's mm. the best character in that film by far. And we get to see him now later on. He just rejoined the film world a few mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. And yep. he was in, he just won his Oscar for supporting actor for uh, everything, everywhere, all oh, at once or whatever yeah. that movie yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. Kiwi Kwan, I think is his name. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I, I love him in that film. The rest of the movie was meh. It was Okay. I, other than that, I just remember the time when a friend of mine who was hired as an architectural draftsman for Spielberg, oh. and we went to his pool house and got to like measure his pool house for part of the process of redoing it or whatever. And I remember looking at the phone and the phone had Casey's closet, Kate Capshaw's closet, because that's Spielberg's wife. Oh, and it was <laughs> so she had a line in her closet in the main house that had its own phone. Mm. <laughs> that's that's yeah. a lot of clothes. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Of all the movies, it was probably my least favorite. Well, actually, that's not true. It not was, of all the movies. Not, yeah, exactly. <laughs> of the, original trilogy. Of the original trilogy is my least favorite three, because I definitely got the impression that like we talked about with Star Wars, that Lucas it seemed like there wasn't anybody there to edit him like mm. he had in the first movie because some of the stuff was just way over the top. I was like, okay, it just seems sort of silly almost, you know, but I still enjoyed it. I thought, you know, it was still a good movie, but yeah, definitely mm-hmm. not my favorite of the original show trilogy. Yeah. Well, and then we had the last crusade, which, yeah. and we've mentioned several times, that was almost a return to form. They brought back some yeah. characters who had not, uh, right. We had John Rice Davies again. We had, <laughs> we had Sean Connery for heaven's sake. That was we awesome. Learned right. So much about Indiana Jones through yeah. the character of his father. You know, we named the dog Indiana. You know, <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and much like in the first one, I like how he's meant to be a fallible every man and now he's a fallible every man in front of his damn dad who's a much more successful and famous guy than he is yeah and we start with an action sequence like the first one yeah of course he's on the boat yep. getting the cross of cordova yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. and yep. river phoenix right river phoenix yeah mm-hmm. the young version of him and it was like his origin story exactly like all his little idiosyncrasies you learn about yep. all apparently happened in one right. day right the scar on his chin <laughs> all that right. stuff the right scar, the snakes everything yep. how he starts yeah. using whips you know uh, <laughs> Because he was at a circus. It was like the big top yeah. and he grabbed the whip or something, right? Yeah. No, it, was no, all it wasn't a circus. It was, was the it? circus train. Circus oh, train. circus train. That's right. That's that right. all yeah. the train. Right you are. Yep. All the train. But <laughs> and I just love it. It's like, you know, come and meet the Joneses. You know, it's like, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I love Sean Connery in that movie, though. I thought. I did too. He yeah. he played, like, that was his dad. Like, And his dad was more of an academic, right? Where he just understand why his kid does all this crazy stuff and blah, blah, blah. You know. I felt like it was a resurgence of his career. Yeah. No. At that yeah, point. maybe. Because yeah, he had kind of, 
you know, he kind of had a little gap between Bond and this. Yeah. And I think this really brought him back to the limelight. And he's not just playing Indiana Jones's dad. I think he does a great job of being a dad. Yeah. Because sure. he's Junior. he's given his son the business. <laughs> he's kind of sticking it to him. But when his life is on the line and we're there in that final act and, you know, he's concerned yeah. and he's caring and he's loving and he's you know, all that stuff washes away. He's being a real person in there. And all of that just makes Indiana Jones a more fleshed out person, yeah. not just a character. Trying to impress his I dad. love the moments when he's like, what do you want, a cookie for what you just did? Yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. Like That <laughs> yeah. feels like his yeah. attitude throughout half the film. I yeah. love that and, and it, That's probably the whole, his whole life he's dealt with that. You know, yeah. right? Yeah. I yeah. still remember the scene with the motorcycle where he does the whole thing and he looks at his dad he's so proud and his dad just like, you know, just makes a face and <laughs> yeah. just, just ignores well, it. Of course. You know? <laughs> it's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, boy, applause. You know, it's, it's, it was a really uh, great movie. Like, right. what do you want a cookie? Exactly. So in yeah. 2008, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on to Do we need to talk trilogy. about this movie? I don't think so. Oh, That's I don't, not think I don't want to. I don't want to. Can we just say, do we even say the title? It's it's a thing. It happened. It happened. Okay. It, it, I haven't gone back to watch it again. I know I didn't like it when I first saw it. I've not I gone back to look too. at it. I don't know if it's in my memory bad or if no, it really is that no. bad. No, it's bad. It's bad. I watched it. I watched it twice. Did you? Hoping it got better. Yeah. On purpose? It did not. Okay. Yeah. And, and I was, what, what actually disappointed me the most about this movie, it was an opportunity to refresh the franchise with a younger, like his sure. son could have come mm-hmm. in and taken over the franchise and it just bombed. It was just terrible. It was bad writing, bad casting, yeah. bad everything. Yeah, it was just yeah. bad. It almost felt like a parody of what yeah. an Indiana Jones film mm-hmm. was. It was like, like it's almost like, did you not have the real actors and you're doing a, you know, a, a ripoff? Is this yeah. Romancing right. the Stone 2? What, what are you doing here? Really? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Which was a great film on its own by the way you know this yeah. was better than crystal skull but you brought up the, the tv shows and actually i, I remember because this one they actually hyped up quite a bit on like looking forwards and when i was watching as a kid because i was really looking forward to that series okay. which was mm-hmm. the young indiana jones chronicles right which, oh yeah yeah i liked them i hmm. thought they were i i thought they were okay they were they weren't as adventure mm-hmm. i guess as like as i was hoping but i thought they were really just good stories that they did and spielberg was involved in all of it i maybe saw a half dozen of them not a lot but mm-hmm. you remember the structure was it was bookmarked there was old indie that you saw at the beginning yeah. and at the end and he was kind of talking about some adventure and then they would go to the young indiana jones was the middle of the show and then you'd see old indie again he's like telling and a story what some people don't remember is harrison ford reprised his role as yeah. indiana jones in the series for one episode Right. Because there was yep. one where they didn't want to be quite as old. So they brought in Harrison Ford with a scruffy beard and had to yeah. do it again. Yeah. That was goofy. He was playing a saxophone or something in a yep. cabin. It was not. It was not, all about the blues. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> now that only ran for two seasons from 92 to 93. And what I had no idea of until I was prepping for this show is they did four more television films between 94 yes. and really? 96. Yeah. I've never seen these. Me neither. No. Now I think what I read was, I haven't seen them. What I've read was they're much like the original uh, um, Indiana Jones Chronicles, but without the bookmark, the bookends of the old indie. It's just young Indiana Jones doing something. Oh. So I something go back and look up because I never saw those like at all. Huh. One of the things that we haven't mentioned yet is the Indiana Jones franchise influence in other things. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. there was a series that I remember distinctly from 1982 called Tales <laughs> of the Golden Monkey. You guys remember this I thing at all? I, I remember the name. Remember this. I don't know if I watched it. Yeah. So it starred Stephen Collins. He's this guy who he's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, he was in Star Trek, the motion picture, John as Decker, the first officer. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. 
So he plays this adventurer kind of guy that is very Indiana Jones like, but he's like an ex fighter pilot instead of a archaeologist yeah. thing. Okay. And it's right. going off to all these places. They only lasted for one season, 22 episodes. And so it was a TV series. Okay. It was a TV series. They, they t- were trying to capture what Raiders of the Lost Ark was because it was mm-hmm. such a huge hit. They, they didn't do a great job of it, but I remember there were a lot of times when movies would be big successes in the early 80s that somebody would trying to make a weird version of mm-hmm. it for TV oh, yeah. later yeah. on. Let's riff this off of was, it. Yeah, this was one of the ones that I remember the most. It's almost like, well, we let the big studios do the R&D. We found that this one resonates with audiences. Let's do change it slightly, and now we know people right. will like it, maybe. Yeah, but there were a lot of really terrible knockoff movies back oh, then, right. I remember. <laughs> oh, my God. We could do a whole show just on those. There were so many. Like any big franchise that Indiana Jones became, video games. Even fledgling the video game market realized that Indiana Jones was something mm-hmm. that they should be making a game out of. So my, my buddy, Howard Scott Warshaw, <laughs> he got advice from Spielberg. He met him and he talked about the film. And th- in fact, his work on Indiana Jones, as I understand, is why Spielberg later tapped him to do E.T. Because he's like, well, that guy did a good job on Raiders. Oh. And I don't know if you've played Raiders on 2600. I'm guessing you guys have. It is an adventure. Yeah. It, it isn't like your typical, let's just shoot the space invaders, right? You have to collect right. inventory and you have to get a pair shoot and jump and go to the well of souls and get the headpiece of the staff around like the movie yeah. they did a great job on the limited platform a really good job now there was also there was an arcade game where you were i think it was the that was a temple of doom temple doom temple right doom. yeah, yeah you're in the mine cart that yeah that's a that's a fun game and there was a whole line of adventure games for home pcs and consoles by lucas arts and they did video mm-hmm. games based around the, the character too yeah well i think the whole tomb raider came about because of indiana jones oh yeah i mean oh it, yeah that's you know oh, the, yeah, the, of course. it was just like a like a whole slew, like I said, some more successful than others, but yeah, a lot of people are trying to capture that lightning again. Yeah, trying to duplicate There's it. There's a whole I'm I'm raiding a tomb is basically what yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark was about, and now they've got right. Lara Croft raiding. It's where the they tombs. got the name? That's exactly it. A little, little on the nose. <laughs> I know, John, you said at the beginning of this segment that we weren't going to go into all the toys and comics, but I do want to talk just briefly about the comic adaptations of the movie. So this was something that was very popular in the 80s, and I still have my original going to the grocery store copy of the very first issue of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now, they did three of them. And because of the way that I was able to get comic books at that time in my life, I didn't get issues two or three. Oh, no. And I didn't even know that they were going to be a thing until I got home and read the first issue and realized it didn't go all the way through the movie. (laughs) Oh, because the cover of all three of these. None of them say that it's a part one mm-hmm. of right. series like they used to do for limited issues and things like this, like first issue of blank. They don't do that on any of these, but the cover art on all three of them. John, you talked about the creepy guy with the Heil Hitler palm imprint yeah. of yeah, the Staff to- of Raw thing. That's on the very first cover of the oh. first issue. He's like in the background as Indiana Jones is running out of the place where the natives are shooting arrows at him. It's such a beautiful cover. The other two covers are okay. They're not great. But that first one, mm. I, as soon as I saw it in the grocery store, I remember as a kid, I got to have that, Mom. That's Raiders. I got to have that. <laughs> yep. It's got the beautiful Raiders of the Lost Ark font on the top of it. That's the effect it had on us. It was awesome. I loved it. Mm. There's so much more we could talk about. But looking forward, we know in a week or so, for listeners, the Dial of Destiny is going to be mm-hmm. here, the finale mm-hmm. of this series. I want to do one more quick roundtable. Don't have to take too long. Just curious, what are 
are your thoughts about this film? What are your hopes for it? What do you think it's going to deliver? Hmm. Um, why don't we start with you, George? I, I hope that it harkens back to this original Raiders film. I mm-hmm. hope that Indiana Jones is allowed to be mm-hmm. bumbling and funny and serious. And I hope that there are real consequences. I'm a little concerned that it's going to that's going to be too rapid of a pace just based on the trailers that I've seen so mm. far. Mm-hmm. I'm worried that that additional character, uh, the female character that's like kind of dragging him along through the story. Mm-hmm. If yep. you've seen in the trailers, yep. I'm worried that that character is going to pull the story along a little too quickly in some of the parts, mm. but I hope that they can capture the original magic. Cause if they don't, I feel like this could have a danger of being a kingdom of crystal skull mm. type of fiasco. That, that it'd be tough to be, that bad but i i hope that's not the case too yeah you know from what i've seen from it i will say there was a lot of speculation about the dial of destiny and especially with the latest trailer that there's something to do with modifying time um and that doesn't seem to fit in the raiders of the lost dark mold to me but as long as nobody's jumping through a time portal as long as it's just like a you know, turn a dial and it changes the past and nobody's, you know, going to travel going back to, in time yeah. or anything. Hopefully that doesn't happen because Raiders of the Lost Ark is so grounded in reality. That feels so science fiction-y to be mm-hmm. in a film like this. But barring that one MacGuffin, whatever they do with the Dial of Destiny itself, I'm just hopeful that this actually ends the story of Indiana Jones. I think you can do yep. more Raiders of the Lost Ark with Again, his son, other characters, other things, you know, or, you know, reboot in the future or whatever. I I hope there is some weight, some finality. I don't want to go so far as to say I hope the character dies, but I hope we get a clear finality to the adventures that we first started back. And don't leave it open ended. Don't pull punches. Do what the story needs to give me a meaningful ending. That's 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 my main hope for you. What about you, Mo? I'm I'm with what George said. I I hope they go back to the beginnings Mm -hmm. and make a movie that follows that that playbook. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. right. And I, and I have hope that it does because of the fact that they pulled so many of the original actors in as well. Like they pulled yeah. Carrie out. Right. Karen Allen's That'd be nice. It, you know? Yeah. Uh, John, John Rice Davies, Davies yeah. is in it. Yeah. <laughs> and they also, I mean, they got top talent in this too. But again, like I want an adventure, right? That's that's what I want out of this movie. Mm-hmm. Not just fan service, a real adventure that a works adventure. not being an Indiana Jones movie. Give me right. a good movie already. Yeah. Exactly. Nice. And so again, if they keep to it, you know, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to have to be a little bit more modern just because we're, it's, so a lot of years later, but yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. Just I go in there and be like, wow, that was a great, and also wipes the memory completely of the previous one. <laughs> of the last one. <laughs> just cleans the palate. <laughs> you know, John, one last thing that I just thought of that I want to mm-hmm. bring up. This is the first film that I'm not sure if it has a religious element to the artifact. The dial? Yeah. That's yeah, the others because did, most definitely. All right? three of the first ones. Now, I'm not talking about Crystal Skull because fuck that. Yeah, it's but, <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was too science fiction-y. Like I said, it was too yeah, much science fiction. Yeah. Exactly. The arc is, you know, Christianity. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Hinduism in the second film. Then mm-hmm. you go back to Christianity with the with a cup of Christ. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. I don't see that in the dial of destiny. As a matter of fact, that kind of flies in the face of most religions because it's, you know, it's open to destiny, you know, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. It's not, it doesn't have that religious context. I'm mm. wondering if that's going to affect things because Jones's character, whether he's for or against it, is based in a lot of religious undertones. His father was a devout Christian. That's what we mm-hmm. saw in the third film. Well, yeah. And he uses the tomes and, and the, the writings and stuff from all the different exactly. religions to learn about this mythology that turns out to be based in reality. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. So I I wonder if they'll go back to that. Maybe we're just not seeing it in the trailers. Could be. Interesting. Well, anything like this is going to open up uh, a whole can of worms that could could touch all sorts of things like that. But intrigued. Look, those of you living in the future, listening to this, who've already seen it, (laughs) you know whether or not our hopes were... Look, I'm knocking on wood. I'm hoping that it's a great film. Cleanse our palate, all that, as you guys said, so... Okay, now we enter hour three of talking about Raiders of yeah. the Lost Ark. It's such an easy movie to talk about. I think let's let's put a bow on it here, yeah. I, gentlemen. We've done. I th- hope we've done a good job of summarizing and helping our listeners relive and think about Raiders of the Lost Ark. They'll write in and tell us what we missed. We can always count on them. Before we leave and get out of this show, I want to send a special thank you to a brand new Patreon supporter, nice. JL. He headed over to Patreon, opened up his wallet, and said, "I want to support what you guys do on a regular basis by just getting." a few bucks every month. If you would like to join him and his generosity, just head over to genxgrownup.com slash Patreon. Takes you right over to the site, put in your credit card information, give whatever it is for as little as a dollar a month. You can be part of making sure that we keep the lights on. That's going to wrap it up. Don't worry though. Another backtrack is coming your way in two weeks (laughs) and a standard edition of our show is uh, next Thursday. Until then, I am John. George, thank you so much for being here. Yes, sir. Mo, you know I appreciate you. Always fun, man. Fourth listener, it's you. We all three appreciate most of all though and we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Unacceptable for grown-ups. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. We're doing all right. Not bad. Not bad. Oh, this no, is the last not. segment, actually. We made it, so. No, well, no second last. The last segment. Second last. Oh, favorite parts. I scrolled down too far. Okay. Okay, then we're, he- we're heavy. That's fine. <laughs> the, this and the other grave goods that we found in the area give us a chance. This. This. Yes. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. This and the other this grave, the other grave goods that we found in the, in the area have given us a reason to, uh, to, uh, to date the fine uh, <laughs> as we have. Any questions? Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on!